so this is a quick update um this is like a pre pre recording of what is going on right now uh normally we give our rundown for the episode you'll notice that i sound way more mopey and stuffy uh right now than when you hear the recording of this episode and basically I just am coming down with a bad cold right now, and I just, just full disclosure, don't have energy to do all the editing we normally do um, with the music and sound effects and whatnot, so be prepared. This is going to be a pretty straightforward episode. I'll have our intro music, uh, but that's it, so enjoy. Well, hey, everybody. Guess who's back? Back again. Shady's back. Tell a friend. Guess who's back? 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 Um, we're back. If you, if that wasn't clear enough there for you. Uh, sorry about a week off, but we had some big things going on. Man in the Michigan hat moved, so congrats to him. Um, you can save your applause until the end of my intro. And then, but we do have some big sports topics that have happened during that time. We have... Michigan winning the Big Ten Championship. We have Notre Dame coaching changes. That was a big story going on. We talked about Brian Kelly leaving on our last episode, but have not talked about the change since then. We have a big Cubs free agent signing. We have um, Bears Packers. um, And we have F an Idiot. We have Mary F Kill. A bunch of good stuff for you, so please make sure you stay tuned in and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Frustration Nation, presented by Shoot Your Shot Sports. the FN podcast for FN fans for FN sports teams every week. We explore the heartbreak, horror, and humiliation of what it means to be a diehard fan. I am your pessimistic host, Furious George. With me, as always, is my miserable and melancholy co-host, except not quite as much because Michigan won the Big Ten Championship, the man in the Michigan hat. But before we can celebrate... And Michigan's successes. Let's get into our vent sesh, man. Michigan hat. How are you doing, by the way? I forgot to ask you. Doing awesome. I'm still riding the high from not even the Big Ten championship, just the Ohio State win. Still, mm. um, that has yeah. carried me through several weeks. Um, so yeah, uh, again, moved. Everything's going well. Uh, a lot to be excited about right now, but this is not the time or the place. Vent sesh relates to the Ohio State game. My vent sesh is just Ohio State fans are some of the most mentally soft and entitled people on the face of the earth. It's a lot like the Packers. Like, we've made that analogy before. Yeah. And what they've done is they've said, Michigan fans win once in 10 years and don't know how to act. Act like you've been there before. Michigan fans don't know how to win with class. How about this? How about Ohio State fans have shown they don't know how to lose? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> has anyone thought about that? 
because they lose once and they're like Michigan once again shows they're not classy they're talking trash players are coming out and saying like saying like mean things and tweets or like making fun of us or whatever yeah that's what college kids do when they win a rivalry game or do you not notice it when it's your players who do that Ryan Day we're gonna hang a hundred on them like oh you love it when he says it but then Harbaugh comes out and makes a comment about Ryan Day it's like where is the decorum like have some class Harbaugh you know it's just like the double standard of like not realizing what your own fan base and your own players do I, until the shoe is on the other foot is it's funny but it is frustrating to deal with day after day on Twitter I love the comment I saw on Twitter a few times from people who would say well, because Michigan skipped the game last year, they should have played this game in Columbus instead of Ann Arbor. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's like, sure, you could argue Michigan ducked them. But Ohio State would have won that year probably, sure. You could argue those things. People forget Ohio State skipped the Illinois game that year. Was Ohio State scared of Illinois? You know, Oh, but that's different. It's just like, I think it's fair to criticize Michigan fans. The, the fan base has been very entitled in the past. I, so I'm not, like, completely forgetting all the valid criticisms of the fan base, but to argue that Michigan doesn't know how to win and that Ohio State is now able to claim the moral high ground, <laughs> like, that's a little much. You know, after everything that's happened with your coaching, your the different controversies, your players and coaches coming out and making statements, it's like the, the knock for a long time has been Ohio State fans say we just care about the rivalry more than Michigan. Now that Michigan finally wins a game, shows some heart, and show that they care about the rivalry, oh, that's just classless. You know, like just enjoy the rivalry. That's how it works. You have to lose sometimes, and when you do lose, like you have to take the trash talk. Use it to be like, all right, we're going to come back and win next year. The rivalry is back in full swing. It's alive and well. Like as much as you hate losing, at least enjoy that. Like, you can't be upset that Michigan is finally taking the rivalry seriously, you know? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you have it, – it's it's so dumb. I mean, it, I, I can't even think of a, a great example, but, it, I mean, I mean I, I've experienced it not really with the Bears recently, but a great example would be, like, the Cubs winning the World Series. Cardinals mm-hmm. fans were all over the place, like – you know, oh, congrats on your one World Series when we have, you know, 11 since the last time you won your your last one. Yeah. It's, it's like, like, oh, sorry, I forgot we had to check with you to get permission to be happy. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my bad. Right. You know. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, we actually have a monopoly on success and being happy. And, yeah, you're not – It like, if anything, it should make you – more excited when you win because you haven't had success but fans of other teams want to say actually you're not allowed to be because you haven't had success in so long like that's even more reason to talk trash and be excited so yeah that's that's a really good point the way you put that like i it's just a soft mindset you know it's like same thing yeah like if the bears come out and beat the packers next year it's like, <laughs> are people going to be like, oh, act like you've been there before? Okay, after all the comments. Some people will. After all the comments, Rogers, I own you, the the torment right. that the Bears have had to endure, rightfully so. They've earned that like because of the way they've played against the Packers. Then they come out and win once. Now you want to tell fans, actually, like have some class. You're not allowed to be excited. Show some respect. No, that's the not Bears, how this works. You know, The Bears, by the way, they showed a stat. Real quick, on the Bears-Packers game last night, mm-hmm. 
Favre, okay, against Favre and Rodgers, the Bears are... <laughs> against Favre and Rodgers, the Bears were... Well, I think it was 45 and... Oh, wait, the Bears are 10 and 45 yeah. against them. Jeez. So, yeah, <laughs> it's like that builds up. And so, as mm-hmm. a fan, the whole act like you've been there before, like, the answer is just... No, because we haven't, you know, and it's different with the Bears Packers because like you still win occasionally. But at a certain point you win, it's like you're going to celebrate that much more because you haven't been there. Like that's the way it works. The pendulum swings a lot harder when it's been all the way to one side for years, you know. So, yep. No, I don't blame you on that. I'm right. I'm right there with you on that one for sure. How about you? Well, I'm going to go a bit of a different direction than we normally do, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I could talk about Bears-Packers, which I'm going to hear in a little bit. But I, I feel like my vent session has been about Nagy for like this enti- <laughs> the entire life of this podcast. It's been a so, thing, yeah. Yeah, so I'm gonna going to do Nagy. Like, I'll talk about it here in a little bit. Um, <clears throat> what I'd like to start with is... One of my events such is that my daughter tested positive, and she's four years old, so there's not really anything you can do about it, and she's fine. I mean, she's fine, but my wife and I are now quarantined with her, and my event such is not even that I'm quarantined. My event such is that on quarantine, there's like nothing to do except eat, and that's my event is that it's, it's very hard, especially when you're quarantined, meaning like you have to stay where you're at. Yeah. It's like... Oh, okay, so I'm bored. What should I do? Oh, I already checked Twitter and Facebook, and I watched, you know, seven YouTube videos. I'm going to eat again. Again, Especially because like I, you're going to be getting out of quarantine, like, right before Christmas break. So, which I know. is basically another one, you know, like. Exactly. And your yeah. home, holiday food, all that, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, like, obviously, I'm glad my family is safe. But, like, the my vent such is that the urge to eat, and it's hard to not eat because it's, like, you're just sitting at home. What else are you supposed to do? So yep. anyway, but my real event session I wanted to vent about here is, and this is, I, I expect this to garner some hate from people. So I hope we're, uh, I hope you and I are prepared to absorb this, but mainly me. Okay. I think I was watching it the other day with my daughter. Cause you also watch movies when you're in quarantine. Mm-hmm. I think Elf is an overrated Christmas oh, movie. Oh, I forgot you were going to talk about this. Here we go. And I I don't know what your opinion is. Um, so sa- save your opinion maybe for a little bit here. Okay. Actually, no. I want to know now. Like, do you think do you like do you love Elf? Like, what is your thoughts on Elf? I like Elf because my family watched it like every year growing up. So it's like I like that. It's like. I like it in that like romanticized, nostalgic. like nostalgic aspect, but objectively, it's not a top Chris- Christmas movie. Um, Christian movie, Christian movie. <laughs> yeah, it's not really a lot of Christian themes. Um, no, I, I think it's, I think it's good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dislike any of it enough to say I don't like it like you do. Um, but I could see. Well, I want to see your argument, but I could see where you're going with this. Maybe. All right. So, Elf. It is a very entertaining movie. Okay. And the comedy, the, particularly the physical comedy and the fish out of water comedy created by mm. 
the scenario of Will Ferrell's Buddy the Elf in New York City. Getting real analytical. <laughs> yeah, I am. Fish out of water. <laughs> very well done. Okay. okay? Yep. Everything from the moment he departs Santa's workshop, really, actually, the, the little montage of him growing up as an elf and, mm. like, being huge in the classroom, you know, when the one guy's like, you're the only bass in the elf choir. You bring us down a whole octave. <laughs> like, yeah, that's good. Like, it's funny, right? Like, okay, yeah, I get it. Um, everything from that until when he calls Miles Finch, the children's author, an elf, that is, that stretch of the movie is the only thing that's worth watching. Mm. The opening when Santa raids an orphanage and <laughs> steals Buddy away, not really that interesting. Yeah. Um, but the part that really loses me is the end of this movie. I, I am just... Like, I've never loved the ending, but then watching it recently, I was like, the ending is awful. Like, it feels like in this movie, they were like, okay, we have all these hilarious situational things with Will Ferrell, who's going to play it up really well as this, like, childlike elf in the middle of New York City, but I have no idea how we're actually going to make a story out of it. Like, Mm. I felt like, it felt like an SNL sketch. Mm Mm-hmm. I see right now this. They kind of turned into a movie. There's really that, no plot. It's just like lots of cool little ideas, you know. The good, the, well, there is a plot, but the good part of the movie is just the little ideas yeah. and little scene by scene stuff. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. In general, you would say the plot of the movie is that Buddy the Elf travels to New York City to save his dad from being on the naughty list, right? Yep. And he meets his dad and everything. And first of all, I do like the actor James Caan who plays his dad, mm-hmm. yep. but He's not good in this movie, in my opinion. He looks like he's, he looks like as somebody who was in the Godfather series, like a very well-known Hollywood veteran actor. He looks like he's mailing it in in this movie. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But what really gets me is, so, so Buddy, he tells Buddy to get out of his office after he calls Miles Finch an elf, right. and he, and Miles Finch leaves, and. Then his son, his his other son Kevin, comes and is like, "Dad, help! Buddy's gone." And for just just literally a minute ago, Walter Hobbs was like, "Buddy, get out of my life!" And then Kevin's like, "Dad, Buddy's gone." And he's like, "Oh, well, <laughs> well, yeah, I told him to." <laughs> <laughs> no, but he he tells like his he tells like his boss like, "I'm gonna have to do this pitch another time. I need to go help my son." It's like. You just told him to get lost, and now you're, like, there's because n- your other son is, like, missing him? Yeah, like, there's no the arc movie, that explains why he changed his mind or anything. Yeah, right? the whole movie you've been loathing, buddy, because <laughs> he's destroying your house. He built a rocking chair out of your entertainment center. He, <laughs> that part was sweet. drinking a two-liter full of soda. He's tickling you, and he's a full-grown man. Like... He made you spaghetti with maple syrup, okay? Like, yeah. I, there's this whole thing is like you, you've he, you've only grown resentment towards him. Now all of a sudden you want to go find him because your other son cares so much. I guess I don't know. The so Indian go, feels kind of rushed, kind of. So then they go to Central Park, right? Mm-hmm. To because Buddy sees Santa's sleigh has crashed, and he goes there. And <clears throat> first of all, the news is like. Oh, the Central Park Rangers, and there's like super dangerous and menacing mm-hmm. in this. Like, oh man, these are the villains you don't want to run into. The Central Park Rangers. It's like, okay, 
really they're pro- they're just like they're just like the Canadian Mounties. They're unarmed like, horseback riding <laughs> <laughs> park rangers. They just patrol the area. It's yeah. not like they're trying to kill Santa. And that's the thing. It's like so they know about Santa. Like that's an interesting subplot. Like the government is aware of Santa and trying to like eliminate him. Like <laughs> I think I don't think it's that. I think it's that there's something mysterious that has fallen in Central Park. Okay, and they're supposed. Well, to, doesn't he say they've been after me for years or something? Yeah, he does. He does say that. So actually. it feels like he's like interesting. There's a vendetta against Santa by the yeah. New York local government. I mean, breaking and entering, but yeah, that's true. In any case. Yeah. So Buddy goes and helps him, and then somehow it's—I mean—it's not really explained why, but somehow Kevin is Kevin the name of the brother. Mm, I, I don't remember. remember. No, I think it is. Kevin and Walter somehow know that they should go to Central Park, and they find Buddy and Santa Claus there, and like Santa's like right there. He—he—he he, he is there, flesh and blood. You can see him, and they're trying to fix this jet engine to propel the sleigh right and michael oh it's michael not kevin michael's like i really you know hey santa i really wanted this skateboard and santa's like no not just any skateboard but an original blah 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 and so michael reaches into santa's sack oh yeah (laughs) and pulls out the skateboard he's always wanted and the sleigh starts to lift and michael's like what happened and santa's like you made my sleigh fly and he's like, back in the old days, this sleigh used to fly on Christmas spirit, not just by uh, jet propulsion or whatever. Right, right. And it's like, okay. And then a minute later, Michael is like, well, we should just get cameras in here. Everybody can see you, and then your sleigh will fly. And then Santa's like, no, because seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. But wait a second, Santa. Your sleigh was not lifting off the ground. And then just now, you had let Michael go in your bag and get the skateboard. And then he believes. And then it flies. And then you're like, see, you believed in me. Because he got his skateboard from you. Like, how is that any different than putting the camera there? <laughs> Santa. <laughs> Come on, dude. Um so there's that. Walter's just standing there in the meantime. He takes Santa's coat. He goes to try to distract these evil Central Park Rangers. And yeah, but then he still doesn't believe in Santa later. I don't get this, this is I never thought about okay. that. Yeah, so, okay, so he's right there, and he sees Santa, okay, with his son. His son believes, quote-unquote, and makes Santa's sleigh fly for a brief moment. Except Santa is lord and savior of his life. They leave, and Michael takes Santa's list and starts reading it to the news. First of all, this is local news, so hopefully he's only reading the New York names because <laughs> if he started reading, like, you know, so-and-so so from... The- right? Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly Yeah, how do you... Oh, that's interesting. Okay. He, it was Bangladesh. He probably just saw the name. I was like, I can't pronounce Never mind. that. I'm skipping Skip. that one. Yeah. Um uh but yeah i mean what if it was like you know you know (laughs) phoenix arizona uh, (laughs) or that or even if it was you know an american sounding name oh mark johnson but he's like from london or something like (laughs) anyway um (laughs) so that's convenient and so he comes he's reading these names people are like sort of believing and santa's sleigh is like sort of working 
and then all of a sudden buddy's girlfriend shows up and she's like smoking hot (laughs) oh sorry was that what you're gonna say (laughs) she starts singing santa claus is coming to town which is an ironic song since he already came to town but Mm. you know I, i i understand you not wanting to change the verb tense of the song um and so they start singing and then this song somehow makes Santa Slay fly more, but it's still struggling to really get off the ground. Um, and then Walter is standing there and Michael's like, wait, you're not really singing. You're just mouthing the words. And he's like, what difference does it make? And he's like, dad. And so then he starts singing Santa's Slay say flies for the rest of the movie. Like it's, it's good to go. And the implications are that he's on the nice list now. I have questions because here's the thing is like, first of all, how stupid is it that an entire crowd of strangers in New York city is singing Santa Claus is coming to town. Yet this guy is so stuck up and so selfish that he is just, he he just refuses to even hum along and sing like he's really going the extra length to mouth these words after mm. he literally saw Santa in flesh and blood, and he's like, and that's why it's not flying because he's not singing this song. And then when he does sing, it's out of like frustration and obligation. Like fine, <laughs> yeah. I'll sing. This yeah, guy never that- even has a redemption arc. He's just a scumbag. No. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, and, and yeah. but but it's also like so there's that, and then. The rules for this Slayer is just wildly confusing. Why is it? So, okay, so Santa's like, this baby used to work on Christmas spirit. And then he tells Michael, my sleigh flied because you believed in me. Which one is it, Santa? Christmas spirit or believing in you? Because those are two different things. And singing, how is it? That's yeah, like a, a group of people too. singing in New York City is Christmas spirit. That does not mean that they believe in Santa. And if you're hmm. suggesting that singing Santa Claus is coming to town means that you believe in Santa. That's a good I, point. What does that mean about you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch? Does that mean you believe in the Grinch? I mean, I do personally. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. It's a good this point. has been my all my, my vent and my questions hmm. about Elf. And simply, basically, the last thirty minutes of the movie ruin it for me. There's mm. nothing funny. There's nothing interesting that happens. It's all very cliche Christmas movie. And there's so many things that happen that make zero sense. And yeah. Oh, and I also, agree with you. this is actually earlier you made a in the good, movie. Strong case. Yep. But when they go on, when Buddy and uh, Jovi go on their date, by the way. So Buddy has acted wildly strange in this movie, like stalker level stuff. Like she catches him staring at her as she's decorating Christmas tree. She catches him in the women's bathroom when she's taking a shower. Beaten off. And, and he's, he's, <laughs> he's duetting with her. Oh, yeah. That's right. And then he when he talks to her he describes his he describes his feelings as like i feel really warm when i'm around you and my tongue swells up (laughs) my pants get tight (laughs) yeah he's like and then he's like do you want to go get food you know the code like okay objectively to a strange woman 
this dude seems like not there mentally ill yeah (laughs) he is not with it and so first of all it's crazy that she even decides to go on a date with him it's kind of gross that she would to be honest like the second (laughs) well the second thing that i'm just like what is she like they're on the date and they're ice skating he kisses her on the cheek and she's like you missed and then He's like, what? And she's like, you missed. And then they lock lips. And it's just like, so hold on. So she's like turned off from him throughout this movie. He stalks her, basically. He's a child, basically. Mm -hmm. And now you're Frenching him on the ice. It's kind of like the thing with the dad. It's like, you don't see any progression that makes sense to why she changed her mind. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you made a strong case. I agree. So quick follow-up questions. Couple okay. off the off the cuff. We're gonna run through a couple of these. Which movie is better, Christmas movie, Elf or Polar Express? I mm, Elf. I oh okay. Elf. It's not because of plot. Polar Express is a more complete movie. Okay. I just am not. I, I've never been the biggest fan of Polar Express. Okay. But they do. Okay. Here's here's a trivia for you. Go listen to the soundtrack of Elf and the soundtrack of polar express they sound mysteriously similar are they made by the same company i have no idea huh all right a little bit of homework elf michigan hat michigan hats like oh two christmas movies they must be made by the same people (laughs) (laughs) um okay elf or the santa claus the santa claus i agree that's a really underrated christmas movie the santa claus has way more confusing questions to it than elf does because <laughs> it actually but gets I, into like legal questions but yeah. i like that they tried to go there at least well and it gets more confusing in santa claus 2 and 3 but mm. in any case i i like tim allen a lot what's the other tim allen christmas movie where they the are christmas gonna, the cranks yeah where they're gonna skip christmas or whatever okay yeah. so then other final up, or follow-up question what are your top three christmas movies all right this is pretty easy for me. Okay. Um, I'm trying to debate. I've never ranked them, but I think I'm going to try to rank them. Okay. Number one is Christmas Vacation. Okay. Number two. Never seen it. Really? Yeah. I've seen parts of it, but never seen the whole thing. Number two is Home Alone. Yeah, that's a good answer. Number three is A Christmas Story. Which one? The animated uh, one? Oh, no. A Christmas no. Story. Oh, okay. I was, yeah. Yeah. The one I was thinking of was uh, Christmas Carol. The, yeah. Okay. Christmas Story no. is good. That's a classic. Yeah. So, I, I think I would go... I don't know. Though, I, I have a lot of nostalgia for Home Alone. I might switch that up and go Which Home Alone. Which one? And then first one or the New York? The first one. Okay. The first one for sure. Lost in New York is my favorite one. Just cause it's I've just seen so it good. Yeah. All right. My three... I hadn't thought about this before, but my top ask, three. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm gonna contribute because <laughs> this is my show too. <laughs> um, I think I really like Four Christmases. Wait, wait, wait. Vince Let's Vaughn. start with this. Do you like Elf or uh, Polar Express better? Polar Express. Never. They're so totally different movies. That one I do like just because it was like the first movie I ever saw on IMAX. And my family went to go see it in theaters, and it was like one of the, it was like I was twelve or thirteen, so it was like back then Christmas was even cooler. So that 
not just objectively because it's a great movie. I just like it because it's unique from other movies, and I liked it growing up. My family went to see Polar Express and IMAX as well, but mm. I got in trouble the day we were supposed to go, and so I didn't get to go. Good job. Yeah. Loser. No wonder you Ruined hate it. Ruined Christmas for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Uh, I That's a debate, honestly. It's like, I, I think it is. Especially because the movie ends with, is it Deck the Halls playing? Uh, I forget what it is, but like yeah. when you incorporate Christmas music into it, it's like, come on, it's not. Yeah, I agree. It's not that it's just that it happens at Christmas. It's, it's the whole, yeah. the whole event happens on Christmas, and so it's not like, oh, the first couple scenes are Christmas, you know? Like, so I agree. Yeah. And Christmas music. So okay, <laughs> that was good. Wait, that but what? That, you didn't finish your okay, list. Wait, well, okay, I'm not going to do it in any order because I hadn't thought about it before. But I'd say Polar Express is in the top three, I really? think. Okay. Uh, the Santa Claus, the first one, might be in my top three. Interesting. Um, I'm sure if I thought more about it, I could think of one maybe that passes it. Um, and Die Hard, if that counts. If Die Hard doesn't count, what would be your third? Die Hard doesn't count. My third would be... I mean, Christmas Story is classic, but probably, okay, The Christmas Carol, but like the animated one that Jim Carrey did the voice. That one I was thought good. they did really well with that. So, Fun fact, Jim Carrey has played both the Scrooge and the Grinch. You're right. Yeah. The Grinch, I like the old cartoon classic one. I don't hate the new one, like the Jim Carrey one, but it's not a top three Christmas movie. Of the Grinch? Yeah. I actually really I, I have like nostalgia it. for the Jim Carrey one. He did a really good job in it. Like he elevated the movie a lot. But I when I wa- when I when I see the Grinch on and I watch it, I'm sometimes just like, oh my word! Like, like I try to see, I try to look at the Grinch's face, yeah, and I try to see Jim Carrey's face in the Grinch, and I can't. It's like <laughs> it's a the prosthetics and yeah. makeup they did on that is. Real impressive. And if you don't know it's him or like know his voice really well, you could watch the whole movie and not know it's his voice yeah. too. Yeah. Um Honorable Mention. Okay. And this really is really high up there for me. So it's it's honestly hard to even crack, knock this out of the top three. Um a Charlie Brown Christmas. Mm. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. It's a good one. Um I'm a I'm a big Peanuts fan, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and I I no I love I love the comic I love all the holiday Charlie Brown stuff. <laughs> Is the, the Thanksgiving? What do you think of the thanks? Oh, the comic like the okay yeah. I got you yeah. Uh, Thanksgiving is the worst. It, it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown, and then it's well no my favorite is the Christmas one. Then it's a great pumpkin, and then the Thanksgiving one is fine. Um, Easter one is decent. Uh, Easter one I'd say is probably even better than the Thanksgiving one, but. Mm. There, there was a Thanksgiving one I saw that they made. Um, it's not the one that they air every year, but there's one they made where the Peanuts characters basically reenact the first Thanksgiving. I don't remember seeing that one. Hmm. I remember getting it from the library once, and I was like, oh, I like this. Hmm. I'm, trying to look. I'm actually looking at a list of top Christmas movies, and they all, these all oh, yeah. suck. Fred Claus. <laughs> That's a decent movie. Some are classic, like Miracle on 34th Street and stuff. I've never I, seen it. I don't never, like I haven't seen much. Miracle on 34th Street, and I have not seen White Christmas. Have you seen It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah, that's a good movie. 
They wouldn't make my top three because I don't like it as much. But if I had to say, like, objectively top three, I think it's a top three. It's a Wonderful Life is funny to me because it's basically it's it's basically the same thing as a Christmas Carol, except it's like mm. only the last part of the movie is like that. Like <laughs> you're right, yeah, you know what I mean. After like, he dies or whatever. Yeah, like when he when he tries to first of all, really dark family movie. <laughs> yes. Like he basically he tries to commit him. suicide. Yeah. Part of every Christmas classic family movie of the suicide scene. But it remind I don't know, just like Clarence showing him life in Bedford Falls without him rem- mm-hmm. gives me a lot of the same vibes as like it is, yeah. When the ghost of future past or mm-hmm. future pre- what? Christmas Wait, past. Cri- no. Or Christmas, Christmas future. present and future, yeah. When the ghost of Christmas future takes Scrooge and shows him the future without him and how everyone like hates him or doesn't remember him. Like, I, I never looked into that. Lives. I bet the Charles Dickens book, was, I'm sure, was an inspiration for the movie. It might have been. I don't know. Hmm. It's also interesting. I've seen debates before of is It's a Wonderful Life a Christmas movie because none of the movie takes place at Christmas until the last hmm. like scene. So you could argue Die Hard is more <coughs> of a Christmas movie. Then it's a wonderful like, life. Thematic, yeah, I mean, thematically, maybe not, but like setting wise, yeah. I don't know. Like the themes of like, oh, family. Like it's more of a feel good. I don't know. I mean, you know, Die Hard is about you know, really a providential, family. a providential situation where a unique man is sent. He's a rough and tumble man. He's sent to a place and he saves the world through his own sacrifice i mean wow sounds like christmas to me the real christmas story actually yeah hmm so anyway and we're full circle christian themes or whatever i said about elf <laughs> yeah all right so enough about christmas that was a good debate yeah that was we hadn't gotten to christmas stuff too much yet so yeah that was good <clears throat> and it's not even really a debate really it's just my own analysis of elf I went into it seeing where you were going with it, but you made a stronger case than I expected, and I agree with you. So, like, I still like the movie, but I agree that I and I it is I more about Elf. the like little clips of funny stuff happening than the plot yeah. itself. I enjoy Elf, and I still get a lot of laughs out of it. But man, I'm telling you that those last thirty minutes, it just takes it all out of me. Like all the mm-hmm. joy I had in the movie, it just ends with like what is this even like this is kind of stupid yeah so um all right bears packers i mentioned it a little bit already Mm -hmm. um so i don't even remember what the final score was i know the bears scored 30 points i think it was 45 30 packers yeah that was right which somehow like how did how did the Bears score 30 points? I don't know. It's wild. It was their season high in points. And the Bears actually matched their season to- their season high in points in the second quarter. Yeah. Which that says, I'm more of the mindset that says more about the Bears season than it does about that game. Dude, yeah. the Cardinals just recovered an onside kick. Did they really? Yeah. So you're ahead of me. So they just kicked the field goal. They were down 10. I'm pretty sure. They kicked the field goal and recovered. That would be awesome. So... If you're listening, we're watching, obviously, Cardinals, Rams, and we're both on it's Cardinals. first quarter. Minus an outside kick. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, Cardinals got it. We need Cardinals to send this to overtime. 
If this goes to overtime, I like the Cardinals' chances a <gasps> no, lot. Oh, okay. For a second, I thought the kicker recovered his own onside kick. Pat McAfee did that once. Did he? He kicked it. There was, like, nobody in the middle of the field. He kicked it several yards and just ran and picked it up. Wow, that was a really bad play by the Rams. They should have absolutely yeah. recovered that. So, anyway, anyway. Speaking of bad special teams play, tell me more about the Packers game. Yeah, so, I mean, honestly, the Bear, if the Bears versus Packers, but with special teams only, the oh. Bears win by a lot. <laughs> the um, Packers special teams unit might be the worst unit in football. It's actually crazy how bad they are. Like, okay. And it's been a on, common theme this year. Most times when you watch a football game, it's hard to really judge and be like, oh, yeah, this team is clearly has clearly a better special teams unit than the other one. Yeah. Like, you have some exceptions, but most times it's like, eh. I it has don't to really, be a you know. very noticeable to even notice. Like, a very big difference to even notice. It, yeah. You know? But this one is like, I don't even know where the Bears rank with special teams, but like, holy crap. Like, the Bears were like very noticeably better than the Packers on special teams. Well, you had a kickoff um, touchdown and a punt touchdown, right? Or just a punt touchdown. No, they had a punt touchdown, but they had a they had a couple kickoffs that the balls brought out to like past the 40. Yep. They had the special the Packers kicked a kickoff out of bounds, which also brought the ball to the 40. And they there was didn't the Bears recover an onside kick too? The Bears recovered an onside kick. Yeah. The Bears kicked off the ball that was headed out of bounds, but a Packers player t- like tried to receive it but touched it and muffed it, went out of bounds. So instead of getting the ball at the 40, they got the ball at the five-yard line. Um, <laughs> then the Bears kicked a punt, and Amari Rodgers muffed it, and mm. on a very questionable call on Kendall Vildor yep. was called back. It's just and absurd then, that this could all happen in one game. Yeah, this is all. And then, like you said, the onside kick. Uh, very strange. Yeah. For a game that uh, the Packers dominated in, like, every other phase, to lose that phase so badly is just bizarre. Also, I think it's stupid that you can't advance the ball on a muffed punt. I agree. Like, obviously, it's, or on not, the onside kick. it's not like the refs got the call wrong. It's the rule, but it's just a dumb rule. No, they did get the call wrong on the punt thing. Yeah, on him going out of bounds. I just mean on not being able to advance. Yeah. Like, that part is the actual rule, but it's a dumb rule. Oh, boy. All right. 18 seconds, and they have to hurry. They're just going to have time for one play. Cardinals had a couple of back-to-back flags really bad. Oh, my gosh. What are they doing? Okay. This is what they wanted to do. Holy crap. Is it over? Oh, my word. Well, that's game. Crap. That was a horrible decision. Why would they do that? How do you recover an onside kick and then just completely waste the opportunity? That was so stupid what just happened. Like, instead of – so they had six seconds left. They had time to to snap it and spike it and, like, figure out how they want to handle this Hail Mary. But they let it go to one – they let that just be their last play. They just snapped it and ran it. Maybe they thought they'd they catch them off guard. They probably already had a play drawn up and didn't want them to get their like hands or their like pre- prevent so defense stupid. or whatever. Anyway, I made the Packers huh. sound really bad. The Packers whooped the Bears' butt. It's not any surprise. I, you know, as exciting as some of the game was, I never really got too much into it because I was expecting it to just be a disaster, and it was. It really is impressive that you you scored twenty 
four points in a single quarter and you lost the game by 15. Yep. Like that's really a, an impressive feat for you to do. Um, it's impressive that the Bears were up by 10 twice in the game. It's impressive that the Bears scored the most points they've scored this season. And with all of those things, they still lost by 15. Um, I just don't even know what to say about the Bears anymore. I have a lot of thoughts um, that I've tweeted out because sometimes I have things I want to say and we're not recording yet, so I just I just have to tweet it somewhere. So um, let me find one of the things I said. Dude, that play at the end of the game. His offensive line wasn't even ready when he snapped I know. Um, Jeez, man. What a stupid game. This is the worst part. Lions fans on Twitter right now. I was told Stafford couldn't win big games. Like, all excited for him. Shut up, dude. Who cares? Okay. So, this is... Okay. So, two things happened in the Bears game that shows you that Matt Nagy... Like, I, I told you guys I'd have a little thing about Matt Nagy. Here it is. Matt Nagy called for a punt when the Bears were on the Packers' 40-yard line. Because it was too long for a field goal, and it was fourth and inches on the Packers 40. So they're on the opposite side of the field, and he uh, he opts to punt it. The punt goes for a touchback, resulting in basically a 20-yard punt, which, in other words, is basically useless. Yeah. Okay? like Especially with Aaron Rodgers. Look, Aaron Rodgers is going to make up 20 yards no matter what. Um, so it was, yeah. you know, you might as well One go for throw. it. Right. Yeah. So um, are you going to get into now what he said after the game about that? Um, no, not yet. Okay. Um, the other p- baffling decision was then he also called for the bears are down 17 and he calls for a field goal at the five yard line and you did need three scores. So like, I understand it, but it's also like. You really need a touchdown because you don't no guarantee you're going to stop the Packers on the next drive, and yeah. you're inside the five. Like that's your time to just go get the touchdown. Yeah. So with all that being said, here are a couple tweets that I've retweeted and interacted with. So at the Bears blog on Twitter said Matt Nagy punting last night. I still can't believe it. Why not go down swinging? Jo- at Jonathan underscore Wood one on Twitter says. Because the punt, and this is, when I read this, my jaw kind of dropped. He said, because the punt forced Green Bay to go the length of the field, which took nine minutes off the clock and kept the score less embarrassing. It's not about trying to win. It's about trying to not not to lose badly. Hmm. And I retweeted that, and I said, mm. this is the Bears under George McCaskey. It's okay to lose, just not too much. And I said very much the nice guy approach that the entire organization is. Hmm. And I've said for a long time on Full Press Bears, if you listen to me there, I've repeatedly referred to the Bears as the nice guy organization because that's all that they refer to themselves as. So then later I tweeted out, I said, all the Bears are is an organization made up of quote unquote nice people who quote unquote collaborate well, probably because they all share the same vision. 
That vision is that nobody has strong convictions, or if they do, they subdue them as to not upset the other guys. Everybody and everything is nice. And then I said later, and whenever anybody brings up criticisms of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, the defense is almost always the culture and that they're men of character and other superficial phrases that basically mean they are generally good people but suck at managing a football team. And then one more thing I said later after a bunch of Brian Kelly tweets, which I was very proud of. um, (laughs) Those are good. Check those out if you're listening. (laughs) I said, last night's game was a dichotomy of Nagy's career as Bears head coach. Super electric and exciting start, then opponents adjust. Nagy fails to do so. Bears kamikaze themselves into the ground. Hmm. So then, regarding things Nagy said, I didn't even hear what he said after the game. Um, oh, but that's I, some of the worst. Well, you t- retweeted one, didn't you? I was retweeting some stuff that he said during today's press conferences. Okay. yeah. Um, one thing he said was he said that this is from Brian Perez at Brian Perez NFL on Twitter. He tweeted, Matt Nagy suggested the Packers didn't make any adjustments with Devonte Adams in the second half, despite his seven catches in the final two quarters. When asked to clarify, Nagy seemed incapable of explaining what the second half adjustments even were. Is that what you were referring to? Yeah. So I don't know if he said that right after the game or so, press conference, J- which so, that's even worse if he had time to think about it and that was still his answer. And so if you didn't see the game, Jalen Johnson was doing a phenomenal job on Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams mm-hmm. on the first half against Jalen Johnson, I think he he had two receptions on six targets and 14 yards. Like that's – 14 yards on Devontae Adams in the first half? Come on. like That's mm-hmm. that's what you want against the team's wide receiver one, especially somebody who was like the top receiver in the league last year. Right. Then, in the second half, after the Packers made their adjustments and had Devontae Adams coming more out of the slot and lining up in a position that Jalen Johnson is not comfortable playing and hasn't really had practice playing, Devontae Adams goes on to put up like 120 yards in the second half. Okay, like clearly an adjustment. Like, what does Nagy think happened? Like, Jalen Johnson just started sucking. Yeah, like what? Like, do you seriously think that? Like, how can you not give an answer? Like, I am I am nowhere near as football brainy as half most people on Twitter. Like, Mm. I, I learn so much all the time. And I don't even know what all the different terminology means sometimes. Okay, I'm still learning. Yet I can tell you how Devontae Adams was was changed out. And if I were a Packers fan, I would have said, why would not make this adjustment? Why not practice this during the week? Like, if I'm the Packers, I would have said, hey, Devontae, we're not even going to put you on CB1 because Jalen Johnson, based on the film, has done really good shutting down people. So we're gonna run you from the slot the entire game, right? I like so it's not a, I, anyway, and it's not even a slight adjustment like the routes he ran and stuff. They ran him out of a different spot, exactly. On the field like that's a very clear change, you know. Yeah. Um. So anyway, it's just um the it it was the game the game was about what you'd expect. Kind of. I mean, the second half was what you'd expect. The first half was 
crazy and actually pretty exciting. And that just um, makes the second half more frustrating if you're a Bears yeah, exactly. fan. You, know? you would have rather it end that way than start that way. Right. It's just um, – and then the quote, too, in the middle about, like, I'm having fun oh, yeah. or whatever. It's just, like, that combined with the post – or the press conference stuff the next day, like – those are the things when you know a coach is on his way out on the hot seat. Those are the kind of like damning statements where it's like that feels like a like last nail in the coffin moment, you know? Yeah. So at the half, like coaches, you know, they're usually interviewed. Nagy was interviewed and he said, I'm having so much fun. And it's like, okay, I understand what you're saying. Okay. Just- but like, what Matt LaFleur said was about, like, adjustments that we need to make for Devontae Adams. So, basically, the impression you gave off, even though it was indirectly, the impression you gave off is that Matt LaFleur is going into halftime being super brainy and, like, how are we going to fix this game so we can be the best team we can be? And you give the impression that you're going Whee! off in halftime <laughs> having a party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he also – Matt Nagy also admitted today another thing he said that was damning – was he said, yeah, I realized in hindsight I should have kicked the punt. Or I should have mm-hmm. not punted on fourth and inches. That was what I was referencing earlier. Right. Yeah. It's just, and even like, so Dan Campbell did something like this earlier this year too. He was like, looking back on it, I hated the play I called. It's like there's certain things where it's like you admitting that, even if other people have the same sentiment, you coming out and admitting that makes it look worse. It's like, I know. yeah, I made the wrong call. It's like you, you as a coach might think that makes you look, oh, I'm being honest. I'm approachable. Yeah. That's just something you can't say is, <laughs> yeah, I screwed up. You know, it's like, right. you know, I don't know. It's just – and part of it too is like when you're on the hot seat and people don't like you already, they're going to look for like – if you make a comment like, I'm having fun, you know, like half the coaches in the league could make that comment and it doesn't never it never gets any attention, right? It's just right. like you have to know it when you're in that position as a coach that everything you do is saying is being microanalyzed. Yeah. Um, so it just kind of speaks to like a lack of self-awareness, I think. I agree. I'm done talking about the Bears for now. As always, if you want to hear more, check out Full Press Bears during the week over on the Full Press Coverage Network. Uh, that's me and my co-host Joey over there to talk about the Bears. So check us out there um let's talk about michigan yep so obviously a michigan ohio the state, state game. that looks like a mitten <laughs> mitten michigan <laughs> flows off the tongue um we've broken down the ohio state game a lot to me even though objectively you could say the bigger game is winning the big 10 championship that doesn't happen without beating Ohio State. That was the big obstacle to overcome. Ohio State's obviously way better than Iowa. So that game mattered way more to me. The Iowa game didn't feel as much like a you know, like a huge moment, a huge test. That kind of felt more like the coronation for what had already happened. I went into right. that game having no doubt in my mind Michigan was gonna win the game. Well um and and if if the Big Ten were arranged the way the ACC is right then it would have been an Ohio State-Michigan Big Ten championship. Which, that's interesting. I was thinking, like, (laughs) at the time, it's like, I don't want that because if Michigan loses to Ohio State again, it's like, man, we just lost all the good we just got. I'd like to be able to savor this for the whole year. But I think just objectively, that would have been better, you know? Um, It would have been more entertaining. And, I mean, yeah, I feel like – I mean, if Michigan beat Ohio State a second time – 
Oh, can you imagine? You would have to make them number one. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So I don't know if it's time to like do away with the divisions or if it's just time to realign. Because the thought is like you don't want to overreact. At some point, you hope a team like Nebraska becomes competitive again. But as you look at the the West, like Wisconsin's kind of is what they is what they are. Like they is what they, they is. is what they is. <laughs> An academic institution. <laughs> um, like they're always good defense, good running game, no quarterback. like nine or ten win team but they're never really a threat to like make the playoff or do anything iowa is very similar like you the teams that are at the top of that conference are very similar to each other and not explosive and then on the other side you have like penn state ohio state michigan state michigan it's just obviously very unbalanced like are you waiting for purdue to suddenly become a powerhouse like i think at some point you need to look at the divisions and say like we just need to address this i agree i agree because I, I mean, <laughs> the Big Ten East, like, the teams you mentioned, Wisconsin and Iowa, the only times that they have, the only time they would have a shot to make the CFP is if they met Ohio State in the championship game and beat them. That would be the only shot they would have to make the CFP, and yeah. even that probably wouldn't be enough. And even if and they like, did, that feels cheap because it's like you played an easy season all year, and then you play one good game against Ohio State. Yeah. Michigan had to play Ohio State, Michigan State, and Penn State, and then well, and they lose about, one game and they're out, you know? Yeah, and I mean, and what about, like, when the B- Big Ten East has, or Big Ten West has down years, mm-hmm. and Northwestern wins the... Like Northwest, everybody knows Northwestern's not good. Yeah. Even when Northwestern puts together a, you know, a six or seven game win, a seven win season, they're still not good. And I mean, Northwestern yeah. in the past ten years has made what two or three different Big Ten championship games. Yep. Like honestly, that's kind of preposterous. Yeah, I agree. I I think they should they should realign that. Figure out either realign the divisions so you kind of have a bigger mixture of the teams, or just do away with it. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that was just a thought I had coming out of it. But as far as implications for that, huge season for Michigan. Way exceeded my expectations by far. Now that you've combined the Ohio State win and a Big Ten championship, that's the two big knocks on Harbaugh and making the playoff. I'm kind of at the point where it's house money. Like, I will get to the playoff game a little bit, but it's like Michigan could go out and lose by four scores to Georgia. And it's not really going to make me feel any worse about this season. I could be disappointed, but I wouldn't be upset. So I'm in a good spot with Michigan. Very happy with what they did this year. I, with the playoff, we talked a little bit off air about this. Like should Michigan have been the one seed? Why did the committee seed things the way they did? Was it to avoid a rematch? I'm just kind of at the point where I'm kind of fed up with, the playoff committee oh there's there's just no objective standard there's no clarification on why things are done this team this group of what seem to be biased officials who are like commissioners for the sec things like that like they go into a room they have a conversation they come out and they vomit out the seating and we're supposed to just all accept that this was the right decision you know it's like I don't there, there's no central governing body there's really no oversight and you saw that with covid and the shutdowns when the NCAA I was like I always had this impression that the NCAA was the over like the overseeing body and that there's somebody making the decisions but they just said hey it's up to every conference do what you want to do so now I'm like okay who's really in charge 
why is this committee of people I don't even know who they are able to just decide the landscape of college football, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And it's frustrating because in so many of the other sports, not really in college, but just like in all the pro sports, right? everything is decided mathematically. Yep. Like you might, you might sit here, like an expert might sit here looking at the NFL landscape and say, Oh, well, I I really think the Cardinals are a better team than the Packers. Right. Oh yeah. Well, the Packers beating the Cardinals says that they're not. Right. You know, like there's math and tiebreakers that have been arranged that make sense that no matter what you may think, your opinion doesn't matter. The calculations are what matters. Yep. And for college football, it's very frustrating that all of this is so objective okay like there was but there had been talk of if like cincinnati lost that notre dame would have gotten in and mm-hmm. i think they probably would have yep. but when you think about that right notre dame's only loss was to cincinnati who then loses to houston so that makes it look worse for notre dame like the, but then is that worse like yeah notre they'd have the head-to-head and you'd have the same record but there is something to Hey, if Cincinnati's really that good, losing to a good team isn't as bad as losing to a bad team. Whatever the decision is, though, it'd be nice to just have this somewhere <coughs> written down where we can say, hey, this team controls their own destiny or they don't because yep. this is how the decision is made. We have no idea this what whole the committee values or anything. You know, This whole discussion, how you were just going like, but is that better because you lost to a good team compared to losing to a bad team? That whole discussion, the whole quality of losses, quality of wins stuff is stupid. Yeah. It's so stupid. Especially because and it's left to us to try to decide which is better. The math should just tell you which is better. You know, And whether you agree with it or I not mean, doesn't matter. According to the way they handle things with the committee, Alabama beats the brakes off of Georgia in the SEC championship game. But technically, if the committee felt that Georgia was still the overall better team, they could still just keep Georgia ranked number one, even though they lost to Alabama. Obviously, that would never happen, but that's how stupid this thing is. Mm -hmm. So, I I, I think it's incredibly stupid. I agree with you. Like, it's completely anonymous. Like, it feels like... um, it feels like the Jedi Council, but you have no idea what the name of any of the Jedi are that are on it. Like, <laughs> I know there's these old, strange-looking people that are in charge of this that have mysterious power, but I don't understand. I, I have no idea to even who they are or what their names are. Um, mm-hmm. I know there's one guy that has, like, two brains and one guy that has, like, a green weird face and they all yeah. die fighting senator palpatine but i don't it's know all who they very are. mysterious but yeah i have no idea yeah. what they do <laughs> yeah well and it sets a dangerous precedent where it's like could the committee have said man cincinnati i just don't think they're a real top four team who do we think really is i think ohio state is and yeah. put ohio state as the let's have a michigan ohio state rematch and a georgia Alabama rematch because that's going to be great TV ratings. That would actually be dope, and that'd be great rate. <laughs> that'd be great ratings, but just objectively unfair, you know. Yeah. So yep. it's like which I feel like you're setting with us. Not and Oklahoma knowing. State was in the mix there too, and then yeah. they lost. And to it's Baylor. like the committee clearly doesn't want Oklahoma State to make the playoff because yeah. they're kind of an irrelevant team when it 
for the national landscape. As a Michigan fan, they do want Michigan to make the playoff. I mean, Michigan definitely deserved to be there, but there could be an, a situation in the future where it's borderline and Michigan still makes it in because of the name recognition and because they and, want the TV ratings. And, and that's Cincinnati, unfair, even if it benefits us. You know, Cincinnati had to basically force the committee's hand to yeah. keep them in the playoff conversation because everybody knows that if Cincy lost just one game, Oh yeah, they'd be out, and they had to basically do two, do it two years in a row. Because last year they were dominant too, and no one took them seriously. They right. had to do it again. Basically, you have to go two years, basically undefeated, yep. to earn a right. And if oh, if they go and get blown out to Al- by Alabama, you know that there's not going to be another Group of Five team that makes the playoff for like five more years, <laughs> no yep. matter how good they are. Because the, the committee's going to say, "Hey, we've seen this before. The, yep. the country doesn't want to see this again." You know. It's yep. just all about narratives and matchups and TV money. It's like that shouldn't that, be how And that's you why it's decide, frustrating. <laughs> you, know? you just said it's about narratives. And you're so right. And that's why it's so frustrating. Narratives are stories, stories people tell. Mm-hmm. Sports are about stories happening naturally, organically. They're not about, oh, we need to manufacture the story so these things happen. Right. Okay. Yeah, the NFL can control some of that. Like, the NFL can be like, oh, you know, we have, you know, oh, the 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 NFC North is set to play the NFC West this year, and Matt Stafford joined mm-hmm. the Rams. We should make sure that they have a, you know, an interesting, you know, some st- something interesting to back it up there since there's revenge games going on. Or, or you whatever. flex a game to primetime and get more eyes on it and stuff. Yeah. Like, there's like little things contr- like that. Yeah, but for you to actually – for – like, if the NFL like, – let's look at the playoff bracket right now. Yeah. Give me one second. This just feeds into all our anger. Well, the other anger issue is imagine – to the dark side. Imagine the NFL only lets four teams make the playoff. That's another problem. <clears throat> all right. So, right now, um, in the AFC, the Patriots would get the bye. Then it would be Tennessee, Buffalo, Kansas City – Colts and Baltimore Chargers all right if I'm the NFL maybe I look at that and I'm like Baltimore Chargers those are two pretty small markets not very interesting let's try to shake that up a little bit um hmm well I think actually that like Baltimore against Cleveland would be more interesting oh yeah division division rivals let's do it yeah and Cleveland is only one game behind the Chargers Mm -hmm. and Baker Mayfield's been injured this year he's really better than what you know what he has put out this year because of his injuries so we're gonna put cleveland in here to face off against baltimore yeah right it sounds stupid but this is the kind of logic they have mm-hmm. or if we look at the nfc green bay gets the bye it's tampa versus washington arizona versus san francisco dallas versus the rams all right, well, Tampa Bay, Washington, we saw that in the first round last year in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and that wasn't really that interesting. It had the emergence of Taylor Heineke, but he's not legit. So we're going to discount that one. Arizona and San Francisco, they play in the same division. Not a big fan of that one. And then there's Dallas and the Rams. That one's okay. I think we'll swap out San Francisco for Minnesota. That way we have a non-divisional matchup, one that we haven't seen as much recently, mm-hmm. and that'll be more interesting. Like, it's so stupid when you put it in the context of other sports. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know what – I mean, the answer just needs to be, firstly, you expand the playoff. And then secondly, you need to have some kind of rule that's like all conference champions make it. 
and then right. like three at-large teams or whatever. Because then at least there's only okay, you have three teams, and it's like now you have all these criteria, and like it can, maybe that's still subjective. It's up to the committee for those three teams. But at least there's some level of objectivity where I know that no matter what, I can win my conference and make the. You know, like, then you know there's at least some teams that truly control their own destiny. Right now, and this wouldn't have ever happened, Michigan could have technically not made the playoff if the committee just woke up that day and was like, you know what, I don't like Harbaugh. Yeah, I don't yep. think he's good for the playoff. He, obviously, he is because he brings attention. But it's like if they just decide, like, you know what, this coach doesn't really fit what we're trying to brand ourselves as. We're just going to keep them out of the playoff. Everyone would be upset. Everyone would be an, up, an uproar, but there's no way they could, anyone could reverse their decision. That would just be what happened because they're in charge and they can do whatever they want, you know? Yep. I no, just I, – I feel like it changes at some point. Um, the politics with college football has just always been the worst part of it. You have the NIL stuff and then it's always all these commissioners and then – Teams like Oklahoma and Texas just decide we're just going to join a different conference. Can you imagine if the, you know, like, I don't know, a year ago, the Bills were just like, man, the AFC is too stacked. We don't want to go against, <laughs> we don't want to go yep. against the Chiefs anymore. We're going to join the NFC, the NFC South, because right. we just think we'll have a better shot there. What? So that way they can play Brady every year. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, we're going to join the NFC East. Uh, there's not really a clear number yeah. one team in the East. Uh, the AFC is pretty tough right now. We're going to move over there. What? You can't yeah. just jump leagues, you know? <laughs> right. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's, college football is interesting because it's unique, but I think you do need to standardize some things. Um, Another thing with that is that you need to make – your you need if you do that you also need to somehow cause so naturally more parity would happen if they expand the playoffs yep um but also that's reason for conferences to redo how they're handling conference championship games because mm-hmm. what if what if Iowa somehow did come out and beat Michigan does anyone really think Iowa would have bet would be a good right. team to put in this? You know, and the Big Ten, it's looking out for their best interests. It's better for my conference if my representative does well, and so then you almost if you do that, you put pressure on the conferences to get better. And you know, but what? Sorry, what I'm what I'm trying to say is like when we looked at Championship Sunday, even though Michigan had the primetime slot, the Alabama Georgia game, I feel had the most pomp and circumstance from what I could tell. Yeah, and that, I mean it's fair because that was team number one and team number three versus so two and like fourteen. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it makes sense. But what I'm saying is that the Big Ten and every, every conference needs to realign what they're doing and figure out how they can get, you know. They're two best teams. They're not about – it's not about divisions. It's about the two best teams because you would – if the, if Michi- if it was Michigan-Ohio State again in the Big Ten Championship, that is all of a sudden the pomp and circumstance, the importance of that game becomes so much more important, you know? And the committees – like the Big Ten set themselves up well that – if Ohio State comes out and beats Michigan in the rematch in the Big Ten Championship, both teams probably make the playoff. You know, so, um, yeah, it's just interesting to see, like, what 
things will become like part of me was selfishly thinking you know what it's kind of nice with the four-team playoff that ohio state's not going to make it but (laughs) just because it's like it's nice that we beat them and we don't have to worry about facing them again or whatever but it is better for the sport if teams like ohio state even maybe michigan state this year obviously notre dame all these other teams do have a chance to make it because you want those rematches again this year you're on the, the I'm on the right side of it, so it's fun to say like, "Oh, sucks to not make the playoff," but it right. is just better for the sport. Agreed. Um, well, hey, anyway, I have yeah. a college football topic I want to get to, but before we do that, we should go ahead and do. Do you want to do UF an idiot? Let's do that one. Yep. All right. <clears throat> so my F an idiot is pretty straightforward, and it relates directly to what topic i want to cover next and that is brian kelly mm. um brian kelly has honestly made quite the mockery of himself since leaving notre dame abruptly and headed for lsu um since going there he has oh seemingly overnight developed a southern accent um <laughs> he awesome. is yeah he's feasting on Gumbo and crawdads every day, um, and beignets, which are those like pastry things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's probably taken his top off a few times in public. Don't knowing down there in New Orleans, but uh, <laughs> just shows up to a press conference with beads all over him. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, but like, furthermore, like he's just he's just full of it. Like the things that are things that are said about him now and like there's a ridiculous video of him dancing with a recruit uh that serviced on twitter which again referencing my brian kelly tweets that's what those are pertaining um like it it looked so stupid and weird and just cringy and cheesy like all of it um the fact that he was like basically a jerk to all these notre dame players which remember our kids he's basically he he the night before they find out on Twitter, he says, oh, sorry, guys, you weren't supposed to find out this way. He hosts, he's like, but be at this meeting at 7 a.m. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. At the meeting at 7 a.m., he says, basically, yeah, I accepted the LSU job. Bye. See ya. Yeah. Yeah, it was there and, for like two minutes. <laughs> yeah, and he leaves. Um, and th- just to show you how much of a jerk he is, okay, Um a Notre Dame podcast I was listening to pointed out that in um, in his exit, so at one point it was reported that he basically exited this one direction in the building, which would have led him directly to the outside. And in fact, that was reported incorrectly. And when he exited, he actually exited this one way where he has to take this very tall and long staircase to like his former office. And the thing is that the staircase is like exposed in like this auditorium. So basically he ends the speech basically like, yeah, I took this job. See you guys later. Like screw you. And then he has to walk this huge staircase in the open air auditorium. Everybody can see him and hear him walking the stairs and he can see them. Basically a super weird, awkward. I hadn't heard this. 
the reporters were saying that like you could hear a pin drop like it was just super awkward so like all of that the southern accent stuff is really crazy like the dude is just and my favorite detail to it is that he tried to recruit basically not really not so much the players but he tried to get all of his coaching staff from Notre Dame to come down he with tried him. to get Freeman right yeah, he offered to make Marcus Freeman the highest paid defensive coordinator in college football. Um, and he offered a ton of money to Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, and uh, everybody. He offered them a ton of money to come with them, and they all basically gave him the middle finger and said, we're staying here. Which says a lot about how they probably already felt about him. Exactly. In the room, you know, working with him. So, regarding that whole situation... Brian Kelly is my affinity. The whole thing just seems so awkward. Like, guys leave for new jobs all the time. Guys even screw their players over and leave. Like, so he, the report came out while he was in the living room for a player and he denied it to his face. Like, that's just part of the game. Like, coaches kind of do what's best for them, take big jobs. You can't blame them for that. The way it happened was still not handled well, but it's just all the stuff afterwards. Like, you don't hear this stuff with Lincoln Riley. You know, and he right. did basically the same thing. He's making it worse by the way he's spoken about everything, the way stuff's come out. And at first I was like, man, it sucks for him that the news came out this way. Now he's in an awkward spot with his team. But he, he hasn't done anything to, like, handle it the right way. All he's no. done is made everything worse. He's yep. sh- he's become overnight one of the most unlikable coaches in college football. He's a joke now, yeah. I wonder how LSU feels about the hire now. Like I just, So, <laughs> um, at J jkznd4 on twitter that's the guy who does the always irish podcast um Mm. he's been tweeting that he has had a bunch of lsu fans in his mentions tweeting about like how concerned they are about kelly and like wanting to know all these details and everything and he said on his latest episode he was just basically like i'm so happy to be able to just tell them all that brian kelly is not my problem anymore (laughs) Um, so I'll get more into the Notre Dame coaching stuff here in a minute, but I want to finish up an idiot with whoever you have. Yeah. So mine is urban Meyer, who I'm sure I've referenced him before on there. And I know I'm biased. I hate urban Meyer, but he like Brian Kelly continues to show he's an idiot and he's extremely unlikable. The whole thing in Jacksonville feels like it's a failed experiment. Like I, ver- I really I, think he's a one and done. I think. Did you a- ever think it was gonna work? No, I thought it was a bold move, and I was like, okay, that's a good. Like for Jacksonville at the time, yeah, you take a big chance on a guy who might. Like he's had success everywhere he's been, but he's also been in controversy everywhere he's yep. been, and it felt like a big risk to take when you just got. Trevor Lawrence the new rookie quarterback like because you could waste part of his career under the rookie contract and hurt his development if you get the coaching decision wrong and it looks like they have (laughs) yeah I I think Urban Meyer is more of a guy for in terms of an NFL job like to me a situation that would make sense for him is like if um like honestly, I I look at a team like the New York Giants, sort of like they they could probably go for a different coach. Mm-hmm. And they're I guess they're at least not the Jaguars. Like 
they have all these, like, going, if you're going to go coach the Jaguars or the Jets or, like, the Lions usually, like, you're basically signing yourself up to be there for one or two seasons and that's it. Right. Um, and so, like, that alone I never thought it was going to work. But Urban Meyer, he kind of like Brian Kelly, he's, take a bad, he's taken a bad situation and he's made it just worse beyond anyone's possible dreams and you and it's all personality stuff like you could excuse him if he just hasn't been winning games people would say is he the right coach for the job how is his play call i don't even know if he's calling plays like stuff like that okay but that doesn't get the kind of media attention that the brian kelly urban meyer fiascos have become because their personalities and their decisions off the field have made everything worse so urban meyer obviously um playing uh amateur proctologist on the dance floor was making headlines a while ago um so yeah like all that stuff the bar all that like i still haven't heard anything about like with his wife and his family like i mean for that side you hope everything's been resolved like you don't want to see a guy's marriage collapse but i mean he made stupid decisions and he's had to deal with all that the news finally started to die down from that they had looked a little better. They won a game, and it kind of looked like maybe things could be starting to turn around. And then reports yep. started to come out the Marvin Jones incident, which he's come out and denied. But there were multiple reports saying Marvin Jones was so upset with him that he walked out of practice. They had to convince him to come back. He was arguing with Urban Meyer on the the practice field. Um, apparently, too, Urban Meyer said, "I'm a winner," and he called all of his assistant coaches losers. That was awesome. According to a lot of people um, who were there in the meeting or heard about it afterwards, he challenged each coach individually to explain when they've ever won and force them to defend their resumes, (laughs) (laughs) which is like hilarious, but not a great culture builder for your coaching staff, I would say. Um, And then he did that to. uh, Do you think he did that to Shelley? And the girl he was that was riding on him too, like he said, "All right, I, what I'd like you both to do now is present to me your resumes as yeah. to why I should be with one of you." Yeah, or the present other. a compelling argument as to why I should stay with you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's like yeah. Um, and then he benched Robinson, the running back, who's like by far the best player on their team, and. Right. Um, there was public statements that that was injury related, but apparently he benched him after he fumbled in the opening drive, um, which they ended up losing that game thirty-seven to seven to the Rams. Um, he let the Carl- guy- yeah Carlos Hyde, the guy he let yeah. play the whole game, played for him at Ohio State. Um, yeah. So that was all kind of just things that and people were. What I heard was that Hyde had like two fumbles in that game. Yeah, and so it was just like, okay, it seems like you're picking favorites not based on merit so things like that started to raise some questions um which goes back to the whole tim tebow thing which we haven't even brought up like yeah that was all based on just like the connection of having played before yep and like living on the same street and stuff like (laughs) oh hey i'll have my neighbor (laughs) hey we're we're doing a a, like a little neighborhood community football thing you want to (laughs) come like (laughs) it's just odd and then so then this is the more recent stuff that came out today Urban Meyer was asked about Andre Cisco playing more. Um, he was asked, and they he said Cisco's playing a little bit more. I believe I don't have his numbers in front of me. Cisco had played zero snaps in the game, <laughs> so he doesn't even have any awareness of who is on his roster and who's playing and who isn't. 
Um, which as a head coach, it's like the two biggest things that are your jobs and the whole naggy thing, play calling, like some good coaches call plays, some don't. It's obviously an issue when you try to and then don't and then try to again and then don't. Like that's a whole separate thing. You don't have to call plays to be a good coach. Your main jobs are to manage the personnel well um, and build a good culture with your coaching staff and players. And he's clearly failing in both of those. Nobody's asking him to go out and compete for the division. A lot of that depends on your roster. But you need to put your guys in the best position to win every week. And Mm -hmm. you need to just instill and build a good culture, which is something he's never been good at. Um, So when you see all these things with the way personnel is being handled, um, issues with coaching staff, players being upset with him, and all all the the off-the-field stuff, like – I don't know how, as an organization, you can continue to let him manage your team and your rookie quarterback. You know, yep. like, there's just too much at stake to allow Urban Meyer to continue to pilot this thing. So, um, he's my effing idiot, and if the Jaguars continue to let him run things next year, too, then they sh- they will be, too. Yeah, I definitely would not leave my organization in Urban Meyer's hands, not knowing where his hands have been. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Smell my fingers. <laughs> Goes to all his assistant coach. Smell my fingers. That's the, that's what winning smells like. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a winner. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Um, all right. So that was a good long segment of F and Idiot. Um, so just to sum up some Notre Dame stuff here. Um, mm mm-hmm. So Marcus Freeman takes over as head coach. I alluded to that all the coaches refuse to go with Brian Kelly. I think there's actually one that's going. I want to say the offensive line coach, I believe, is the only coaching vacancy that Notre Dame is going to have other than defensive coordinator because they promoted their defensive coordinator to the head coach. What about dance dance coordinator? Is he he a new hire or are they using the same dancing coordinator for – Brian um, Kelly, social media, yeah, manager, yeah, all that stuff. I, I, I don't. I think that's just an LSU thing. I don't think they have one mm. of those at Notre Dame. Yeah. Okay, hmm. yeah, interesting. But I do think at, at Notre Dame, I think they are going to have to hire a DN manager. <laughs> DN, what's that? <laughs> D's nuts. <laughs> um, now that Brian he, Kelly's really cool and relevant, I bet he makes a bunch of DN jokes. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing me at, at a at a recruit's house, and we'd love to come have you play for Ligma State University. <laughs> well, hurry, ask what it what that means, right? <laughs> he's like the cool uncle now. He moved down south, and yeah. uh, he he's like talking to the, to the parents. He's like, "Yeah, your son's a real like he's got real potential. I think he could be a star." You know, he reminds me of this a rare species of bunnies that uh, originate from <laughs> South America. They're slaw called slaw bunnies. bunnies. <laughs> and then the fa- the dad goes slaw bunnies, and he's like, "Yeah, slaw bunnies, nuts, got him!" <laughs> and breaks out into a dance. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, everybody seems very pleased, very excited, and motivated about Marcus Freeman as the new head coach. I did not. I, I panicked at first. And if you listen to our last episode, 
I was freaking out about Kelly leaving just because I know winning is hard yep. and he clearly has established a track record of winning. And so him leaving is just a challenge. Um, and I'm not saying the wins are going to come easy with Marcus Freeman as head coach, but right. what you do know is that the players like him and trust him. The p- parents and boosters and everybody else involved in the program likes him and trusts him. And probably the most important detail is that recruits like him and trust him. Mm-hmm. Normally, a coach the caliber of Brian Kelly leaves, you're going to lose a lot of recruits in the process. Notre Dame only lost a couple. Yeah. Most of them they retained because Marcus Freeman had been the one that had reco- re- recruited them. And so when they saw that he maintained as the coach and was now the head coach, a lot of these players wanted to stay there. Um Marcus Freeman is the big difference maker here. He is part of the reason that Tommy Reese chose to stay as offensive coordinator. Like, mm-hmm. I think if you get the, a strong vibe that everybody is really buying into Marcus Freeman as head coach and is getting behind him and wanting to show him any support that they possibly can. And that buy-in is just so huge for a program. Mm-hmm. Just personality-wise, too, it seems like, and obviously, well, ultimately, we'll decide how successful the change is, is his success on the field, um, and it's too early to say anything about to that, but just personality-wise, when you see Brian Kelly doing all the things he does, and then a Freeman who has the support of everybody who's saying anything about him, he obviously just, it, he carries himself and conducts himself and talks in a way that just a lot more professional, a lot more respectable, like the contrast between him and Kelly make it hard to not think that this was a win for Notre Dame. And obviously and it's, it's easy to say that. And it's like you said, it's a lot harder to see those results on the field because Brian Kelly was a good coach, but yep. yeah, it, this feels like something where it could, you could look back and say like Brian Kelly did us a favor, you know? And I'm not saying that Marcus Freeman has, I'm not saying that everyone's behind him in the sense that he has like a bunch of yes men. Right. I'm saying that everyone's behind him because his message is, I think the key word is genuine. Mm-hmm. He seems very sincere, very genuine about yep. what he wants for this team. Mm-hmm. He seems like he's genuine care for the players that are there. They're not just the means to him getting bonuses and whatever. Like for him, he actually cares about who they are and wants them to improve. Early reports from some of the people uh, who report on that is that they've he's been way more intentional and involved with practice than Kelly ever was. Hmm. People also talk about that. They talked about this back when Notre Dame hired Marcus Freeman back in January of last year as a defensive coordinator. People were talking that Marcus Freeman's strength was his recruiting, that he was – he. At Cincinnati, he was a really, really strong recruiter, and he carried that over to Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman comes to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame immediately, the next two seasons, is top five in the country in recruiting classes. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what this means, but Notre Notre Dame football put out a video today that had a tease saying, like, basically... Oh, let me find it because I want to make sure I say it. I right. saw you posted this and I was going to watch it and didn't get a chance. But I mean, it's not that impressive of a video, but the message is what's crazy. Um, it said, "It's so again." This is from Notre Dame football. It says Wednesday, 
the world is talking. And so everyone's like, what does this mean? And everyone's just saying it has to be like probably pretty significant. Like a commitment from somebody or maybe. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's not what it is, but it's a lot of people have been suggesting that whether it's the case or not. Every day there seems to be another recruit that was re- a four or five star recruit that's committing to Notre Dame yeah. because of Marcus Freeman, and that's what you want to see. So, and the um, minute that he starts to show any kind of success on the field, it's just going to be that much more. You know, like everybody's saying, like this seems like a great hire. This seems like the right move. As soon as anything starts to happen that, like that, prove that, then it's just going to snowball from there. If everything goes well, you know, like, and I'm actually really glad that Kelly left now because you, I'm glad that Kelly left when he did, because now Freeman actually has the Fiesta Bowl to coach for. Mm-hmm. Like, if if Kelly would have left after the Fiesta Bowl, yeah, against Oklahoma State, you would have had to wait until like the Blue and Gold Spring Game, which is just Notre Dame versus each other yep. in an exhibition game. And then you would have had to wait until real competition around Labor Day. Like it would have been a long time. This way, at least you get one game. It's a bowl game. Notre Dame hasn't won a bowl game since like '92. Like there is some really great wow. reason to watch. Oh, they haven't won a big, a significant bowl game. I should. Is say. it a New Year's Six game or? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. Um. So like. And he, again, according to all reports, he's not even like, like he's recruiting, but outside of recruiting, he's not paying any attention to the future. He's paying attention to this game. Mm -hmm. Like he was asked, are you going to have some like young guys get some reps in there? So you know what you have for the next year. And his response was, this isn't a charity game. Like, right, you're trying to win the game, right? Yeah, I'm trying to win this game. And he apparently even brought up like Notre Dame hasn't won a big bowl game in 24 years or whatever. So, so no, I'm taking that, this very yeah. seriously. Yeah, that's great. So, I love him. I'm excited. I hope it works out. Some people have said that they remind him. Again, this is not. This is supposed to be a compliment. A lot of people have said they remind him of a young Urban Meyer, um, referring more not to what you were just talking about in F and Idiot, but more to the idea of his success in recruiting and his success in program buy-in. Mm-hmm. Um, so Which, like you said, it's obviously a compliment, that. and there were things Urban Meyer was really good at. And comps are just kind of a dumb thing anyway, because it's like you can right. do a comp and say that he's really good at this, like Urban Meyer is, but if his character is completely different, then, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, a couple other quick uh, things regarding my sports teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's another Dame thing. Bottom line, I'm excited. Cubs signed Marcus Stroman. That was their big free agent acquisition. There's rumors that they are in pursuit of Carlos Correa, but everything is kind of frozen right now because of the lockout happening. Yep. Um, but Marcus Stroman is a big signing. A lot of people have been saying this is kind of like the Lester signing, how Lester kind of propelled the Cubs into the future. Hmm. I do get that vibe from Stroman. I don't know if it'll have the same effect or not. Stroman doesn't have the track record of winning deep into the postseason like Lester did when he came to the Cubs, but um the talent's I think, there for sure. Yeah. But it's, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's the intention with Stroman and uh 
I don't know. I, I think the Cubs will actually have a pretty decent pitching staff this year. Um, now you just have some holes in your your the rest of your team outside of pitching, which is a complete 180 from what the Cubs were just even four years ago. Yeah, and that's what um, makes it different than the lesser thing. It's like then you knew who your big pieces in the lineup were going to be, at least yeah. to some extent. So. It's just different. Every situation is different with baseball, but at least it's a big enough move that it's exciting, you know. Yeah, and I'm really excited about Marcus Stroman. Um, I've, I guess I'd say I've always been indifferent about him. I've never been like, oh, mm-hmm. I love him or oh, I hate him. I've just been like, oh, it's Marcus Stroman. Um, but he apparently has been looking forward to playing for the Cubs for a long time. Hmm. He's been connected to the Cubs in trade rumors for a while and I, I don't really know why i don't think he's from around chicago but um he's yeah. been psyched to play for the cubs and for him to finally get the opportunity i'm excited to see it so cool that's the big news there again there's not much to say regarding the lockout um it's got to wait on so it annoying it's just such a baseball thing to happen all these other sports exciting yeah. things are happening with both our college teams nfl is in full swing nba is back and it's like Baseball just continues to kill itself. You know? Baseball survived a COVID, uh, a, a, another season through COVID, and this time it was a full 162 games. You had an un, unexpected ch- world champion being the mm-hmm. Braves. And it's like now, a great time to try to build on something. It's like, you know what yeah. we should do instead? We should shoot ourselves in the face with a shotgun. You know, like, you, yeah. Just you know how the Braves have everything. exciting young players like, like, uh, Ozzy Albies and yeah, Ronald Jones, uh, Ronald Acuna, not Ronald yeah. Jones. That's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> right back. Yeah, um, you know how they have young players like that. Yeah, we should make everybody forget about them and lock out instead. You know how all these teams, like the Tigers and the Cubs, have been signing big name free agents, and things yeah. are really shaking up, and everyone's starting to get excited over the season. We should put the season in jeopardy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Carlos Correa hasn't even signed yet. Let's just know. freeze the whole thing, you know. And I know it's yeah. more complicated than that and everything, but like baseball continues to let greedy owners ruin the sport and it, the other frustrating thing, I don't I think we talked about this on a show or just recently in general, like the the MLB has more teams than any other sport where the owners are allowed to just not care about success and get exactly. away with it every year. Exactly. It's like the Pirates like the pirates are going to be bad for 40 more years and nothing's going to happen unless they sell for the, a long time. The Cubs were for a long time. And then finally they make a bold move and it's like, all right, well now it's completely up to the owners if they want to take things seriously or just coast off the success of that run for yep. 40 more years. You know, like it's the, the owner holds the fan base hostage and it's like, man, I sure hope my owner is not a cheapskate this year. You know, it's like, it's just such a bizarre sport and this with the whole salary cap stuff and like the differences there where you know like it literally is almost entirely on how much your owner cares yep and i mean really the only examples in recent history of owners being like whatever it takes you know like i don't care i just want my team to be good Mm -hmm. is the dodgers and the yankees i mean there's a reason those teams have the reputation of getting every single hot free agent and trade partner out there it's because they don't care about how much it costs they want to win right and that's i wish my team had that approach more often and then what sucks is the fans which i've been there too but just like because it's fun to pile on 
fans will make fun and be like, man, it sure must be nice to buy championships. Yeah, it must be. Like, I wish my team would do that. But it's that's the same like, with anything else. People hate on Brady. It's like, oh, well, he has a great defense. You're telling me you don't want your team to have a great defense? You're telling me you don't want your baseball team to go out and spend $700 million on a few players? Like, <laughs> you know. Your greatest strength, really, as a baseball team is that there is no salary cap. Right. You're great. Like, the Cubs, it's atrocious that they were so bad for so long and are bad again because – the Cubs are like the third or fourth highest payroll in the league. Yeah. They should be um like or not payroll, value. They're the third or mm-hmm. fourth highest value in the league. They should be sh- they should be um, like the Yankees and the Dodgers. They should be buying championships. It's their greatest advantage and they don't take advantage of it because of greedy ownership. Yeah. Yep, it's frustrating. Um so yeah, that's just one of many reasons why baseball as much as we both love the sport and there's just certain things about it that you don't get in other sports, it, yep. it's just really hard to defend it when it, yep. when it doesn't do anything to help itself. So Agreed. Yeah. And then the um, same with the Javi Baez news for the Tigers. I mean, again, I'm excited to some extent. I'm disappointed in other extents, but the, the overriding thing is like, does it really matter? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I barely even want to talk about it. So I will say this, you know, I, Hoping that, assuming the season gets underway, I'm excited for you because even though Javi Baez makes a lot of mistakes and strikes out a lot, he just makes he makes plays that you've never seen before on a He's baseball field. Fun to watch, yeah, yeah. He makes it fun. So yeah. I hope for your sake, like you know, I don't hope. I know for your sake, you will enjoy having him on the team. He's gonna be. He will go through stretches where he's wildly frustrating, but you got to remember that's the price you pay for admission to the show. For him, <laughs> that's fair, and it, it's entertaining, especially when you're a team like the Tigers that aren't really in contention to like win anything this coming mm-hmm. year. Like you're hoping they're on the upswing, and so it's like, hey, if I can give a guy who's super talented and super fun to watch, and I can put him under a manager who I have a lot of faith in and think did a really good job last year. You know, like I'm, I'm in. I'm all in just to see what happens. You know, so. Yep. Um, all right. Cool. Awesome. Uh, so my last thing I just want to touch on before we move on to our last segment is that uh, the Bulls are a mess. <sighs> yeah. Um. So it started with uh, Kobe White going out. Kobe White just got back from an injury. He plays like six games, and he's starting to get in a rhythm, and he goes out with testing positive for COVID. Or, sorry, I shouldn't say that. He's in the health and safety protocol, which I think includes close contacts as well. Yeah. Um, next thing you know, it's DeMar DeRozan. Then it's Javante Green. And then it keeps going and going and going. Zach Levine's now in it. It is... Um, the Bulls have 10 players in the health, health and safety protocols. The only starters that are not in the health and safety protocol are Nikola Vucevic, Lonzo Ball, and Patrick Williams. But Patrick Williams is injured and out for the year. Right. So of your original starting five, two of them are currently available. Um, and of your, your like entire bench 
mm-hmm. is gone. Like, because like they're being... Like, even guys who was like, oh, I haven't heard of him and he's out. Well, that actually matters when you have a ton of starters. <laughs> exactly. So, Stanley Johnson, Alizé Johnson, Troy Brown Jr., Javante Green. Yeah, guys you may not have heard of. They're all out. Alex Caruso's back. That's the one positive. So, right now, basically, the Bulls Don't have... Say positive. <laughs> <laughs> right now, the Bulls basically have Vucevic, Ball... Caruso and then they have like a handful of guys from the Windy City Bulls the G League Mm. team Mm -hmm. and then it was revealed today that there were also staff members of the Bulls they were did not drop names but there are staff members of the Bulls that are also in the health and safety protocol and finally the league decided to postpone Mm -hmm. the Bulls games for this week so the Bulls had a game scheduled against the Pistons um on tuesday and they had another game scheduled i don't remember against two but later this week they have postponed both of those games um for the bulls to get some bodies back and i i i i'm upset because i feel like the bulls i feel like the bulls lost two games because of being shorthanded mm-hmm. due to covid and i know every team's going to go through this but I just feel like it's 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 dumb for the league to be so hesitant to postpone games. Like, if I understand if it's just one or two guys, but if it gets up to even like five guys, to me it's like you probably should postpone it. One to prevent an outbreak within that team, but two to prevent an outbreak that would spread to the opposing team. Right. Because now you're putting two different teams in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Um. So I have a lot of issue that it took them this long to finally postpone it, but I'm glad that it happened. Yeah, and thankfully it's a long enough season for the NBA. It's not like if you had an NFL outbreak that cost you two games, then that's a whole different, you know. Right. But it is just frustrating, and plus it's a momentum killer, and you have a ton of new faces on the Bulls this year. So I think the Bulls roster and coaching is good enough that they'll bounce back, and I still think they'll be I do too. like a top three seed in the – the conference like i just think yeah it's just a, and, more of a frustration than anything and hopefully else. hopefully if it, you know it, not like this is something that has to happen but let's just say hypothetically every team has to go through covid struggles mm-hmm. well i would rather have the bulls get it out of the way earlier on yep. when you still have plenty of time to make up ground right and it, the playoffs aren't around the corner like true the bulls are going to be fine assuming everybody can come back healthy from it so it's just a frustrating thing and as a bears fan it's very infuriating because the bears are so bad and now the bulls i can't watch this week because they're all quarantined the hot the blackhawks were supposed to play tonight but the calgary flames were all Mm, quarantined (laughs) so it's like it's just bad it just anyway. sucks when things like that affect sports. Like, I know yeah. COVID's still a very real thing. It just, it's like, it's easy to sometimes forget that. And then things like it this happen. Yeah. Like, oh, it's still around, you know? Yep. So, all, all right. right. Let's go ahead and do our next segment, which is Mary F. Kill. Yes. Would you? So, we did it a little differently this time, listeners. What we did was... Uh, we each made a list of Mary F. Kill that we're going to read to each other. We'll both give answers, but we are kind of causing somebody to think kind of right on the spot. So mm. um, 
let's have let's do it this way. If you know, just hypothetically, if I read mine, okay. that means you'll answer first, then I'll answer second. So the person who's being surprised is gonna have to give answers right away. Okay. Would you like to read yours first or respond first? I'd like to read mine first. Okay. You don't have to say it like that. It's not a strategy game like cap or no cap. <laughs> but I'd like you to go. All right. Um, Mary F. Kill. So these are all college coaches who are either currently tied to – oh, no. None of them are currently tied to, I guess. Who have all been tied to either Notre Dame or the Bears in these past few oh, weeks. Oh, great. Jim Harbaugh, Ryan Day, and Brian Kelly. Mary F. Kill. Well, let's see here. I need to think about this. I think I'm going to marry Brian Kelly because... Mm. He seems like a really good family man. <laughs> really watch over my kin. <laughs> That's true. Um, I did not think you were going to go that way, but that makes sense, actually. Um, all for the joke. All for the joke. <laughs> um, I think I... Look, I guess I'm, I'm looking at it this way. If I'm marrying Brian Kelly... And the choices are Day or Harbaugh for to F. Harbaugh is just way more interesting, at least, than Day. Like, <laughs> Day is, like, the most robotic of those three. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably going to kill Day and F Harbaugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll answer two. Um, so I'm going to kill Ryan Day. Fully biased. I just can't stand the guy. <laughs> and like He doesn't seem that bad to me. But I know he's your rival. He does to me, not just because he's a rival, but just the way he's handled everything, too, with the we're going to hang 100 and then all the excuses. And, you know, like it is more just because he's a rival. But, um, yeah, I'm going to kill Ryan Day. I'm going to marry Jim Harbaugh because I have a feeling he'll be getting a ring very soon after he beats Georgia and Alabama. Uh Then I'm going to kill or sorry, I'm going to F Brian Kelly um do you think he'll get a ring soon with the bears too he might yeah the next season yeah (laughs) i'm gonna f brian kelly because he seems like he's into role play to an unhealthy level with the voices and everything and i just think that'd be very exciting (laughs) and those dance moves uh yeah all right honey tonight i'm gonna play a southern sheriff from Mm. the southeast and i'd like yeah (laughs) Open up your honey pot so I can drink some sweet mm, tea. Some sweet, sweet gumbo. I'm going to be savory. Yeah, some probably. savory gumbo. <laughs> yeah. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I'm going to powder your beignet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My Mary F. Kill is this. Kay. Mary F. Kill. A basketball, a baseball, or a football. Whoa, <laughs> that was unexpected. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to f the football. Okay, for obvious reasons, the elongated shape, 
Uh, it's just more practical. <laughs> the ability to inflate and deflate is very phallic and suggestive. Okay. <laughs> so I've always just been attracted to footballs in a way that other sports can't compare to. Um, I'm going to marry the basketball. Just very okay. well-rounded. And uh, mm. I don't know. There's, it's, there's not much to say about it. I think it stands – it's less distinct to me. Like, it's, it's less recognizable and unique than the other ones. Uh, but it's just a safe choice. And I'm going to kill the baseball because baseball, as a sport, continues to kill itself and be even more unlikable every year. Uh, so I'll just finally put it out of its misery. Hmm. So I think I'm going to marry the baseball. Okay. Um, because baseball, despite all the ups and downs, has proven to be very loyal um even when it has to go on hiatus at, at times mm-hmm. and maybe it's a, a little separation it's been a loyal um companion for over 150 years mm. so uh, that was gonna, beautiful yeah, yeah. <laughs> marry the baseball wow um i think i'm going to f the football mm. um many reasons that you already um brought up um so i think if we could get the field goal post involved too that might be a little oh, more yeah. interesting <laughs> maybe throw in a little challenge flag in there too um get things really popping blow my whistle <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so i the, the football itself yeah i i think Illegal you already stated 15 yard penalty <laughs> yeah you already stated all the main reasons um and then I'm going to kill the basketball um, because of its connection with LeBron James and child slavery in China. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Got pretty political there. All right. What? No, it didn't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even – like. look, I don't even believe – like, okay. <laughs> there's people that go way too hard in that argument about LeBron James. <laughs> I bring it up more as a joke, like – Obviously, he's like "quote unquote" involved with it as much as like a lot of athletes and celebrities right. are. <laughs> but it's funny how much people emphasize that when they talk <laughs> about him not being the goat. Also, the cultural appropriation of Taco Tuesday is frankly just offensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Somebody on Twitter uh, earlier today said something about like. One of the most sus things ever is when you're a Yankees, Cowboys, and Lakers fan. And I said, I'm pretty sure that was LeBron James growing up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was. Like, I am I know he was Yankees and Lakers for sure. And I'm pretty Jeez. sure he was Cowboys. Ugh. And then Ohio State, I think. Ugh. <laughs> like, I just have no respect for you as a sports fan unless you can somehow tie them all together. Like, I grew up in Dallas. My mom was born and raised in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and took me to my first game there. Like, you better have a great story to tie all these teams together. Even if you're like, hey, I'm a New Orleans Pelicans fan. I'm a, you know, like a Montreal Expos fan. Like, just a weird combination of teams. Even that, I don't really like it, but I don't have an issue with it because I know, like, you actually have – legit reasons you're a fan of those teams i'm gonna call out my one friend who probably doesn't listen so i don't care so he 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 grew up down the street from me we would hang out all the time i guarantee you that he 
he he was a Cubs fan and a Bears fan. <laughs> but to this day, he is a Cardinals fan and a Packers fan. Oh. And, <laughs> and, okay, what ticks me off is he will put on Facebook, like, he'll record, like, videos of himself or whatever, and he thinks he's funny. Anyway, he... <laughs> He'll he'll say things about like oh I've been a Packers fan all my life been a Cardinals fan all my life, blah 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 all this stuff and it's just like this guy sounds I like know a huge for a fact that that's a lie and I have another friend of mine who's a Cardinals and Packers fan, but both of those are tied to grandparents. His grandpa yeah. on like his mom's side was from St. Louis and a diehard Cardinals fan, and his grandpa on like his dad's side grew up in Green Bay. Okay, like, sure. You know, yeah, <laughs> but this kid has none of those ties. Both of his parents grew up in the Chicago area, and he grew up in the Chicago area, yep. and he's so far gone with it too. Like half of the posts he'll put on Facebook that frustrate me so much. He is just slobbing all over Aaron Rodgers' knob, his man bun, if you will. And mm. one of he actually said this. Uh, a month ago on Facebook, he said something basically like how Rogers is for sure the goat because he's won all, he's accomplished all of this without cheating like Brady, and he's and then he says something to the effect of Brady. He said something like, "I know Brady, I know Brady has been in ten Super Bowls and won seven of them." But honestly, if you look at the cheating, you have to discount pretty much all of them. <laughs> and I was just like, because Bill Belichick filming a practice means that my Super Bowl doesn't count. You know, I'm gonna I'm trying to try to find this post now. But he said that I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, <clears throat> you could. Try you know to how hard it is to make it to the Super Bowl, <laughs> right? And you could try to discount a specific Super Bowl. Be like, hey, there was one Super Bowl where there was one event that was so egregious that that one. I don't see that as counting. I still would disagree, but be like, you know what? Whatever. To say, I think cheating can discount seven <laughs> Super Bowls is just absurd. Yeah. Um, so anyway, me, don't be like those people. Yeah. If F you, those people. <laughs> if you want to say, okay, the reason – I to me, this is the order that's most respectable. You firstly should base your fanhood or your fandom on the city. You know, like, I'm a fan of all Chicago teams or all Detroit teams. That's the way you should do it. That's the best possible scenario. That's the most respectable you can be as a sports fan. Secondly is, okay, I'm a fan of several different sports teams, but that's dependent on my parents, my family. My mom went to this school. My dad grew up here. To me, I would still have some questions, and I still think you could do better as a fan, but that's that's okay. You know, you you cannot – be a fan who says I became a fan of the Packers because when I was a kid I liked Brett Favre. That's not a, that's I'm never going to respect you as a fan if you just picked and chose which teams you liked and became a fan of because yep. you liked watching them growing up. Like yeah, I would like to watch a team other than the Lions, but I don't because I'm from Detroit and that's against the rules. You know, like have some respect for yourself as a fan. I don't see yep. how a fan could, and we've done the whole thing, like, what team are we going to adopt in the postseason, you know, like the, the Hurricanes and the Suns. It was fun to root for those That's teams. different. And you feel a little bit of investment. I don't know how you could ever fully 
care about wins and losses as much if you just pick a team and root for them. Like, I agree, and that's been my problem with like modern day NBA fandom is like, yeah, all, like you know, I teach at a small town Indiana school, and I have there are multiple people who are Golden State Warriors fans. <laughs> There's probably more of them than Pacers fans, even being in Indiana. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably a big reason why I don't like the NBA as much as the other sports is the way that fa- people are fans of players <coughs> more than teams. It's just a different mindset. You, I'm sure you'll get back. I, I, I've been way more involved in, in, engaged in the NBA now that the Bulls yeah. are good. And that's, Once the, that's still fun, like being a fan of my team when my yeah. team's good. Like that's always going to be fun. But Once the Pistons turn the corner – They'll be, they'll be there. I just, yeah, it's very frustrating to see, especially when you're a fan. If you're just a casual fan, you're like, hey, these are the teams I like, whatever. But when you're cocky and arrogant and like, oh, my team. Oh, you mean the team you picked when you were 12 because your local team sucked? Like, oh, I'm so happy for you. You know, you know, you should, it should be illegal for you to talk trash if you picked and cho- if you pick and choose your teams from across all different the whole country across the different sports you shouldn't be allowed to talk trash yep i agree oh i forgot while i'm looking for my former friend i should say his <laughs> post about rogers and brady he had this one he, he also has the i guess you could call them hot takes that are just like really bad, bad. Takes. <laughs> like he thinks one of the best running backs of all time is chris johnson if you remember him on the Tennessee Titans, <laughs> he had like one good year. We had two thousand yards. I know, I know. <laughs> but he's the guy that he'll he'll say that he'll see that and be like, oh, but if he would have been able to do that his whole career, blah blah blah. So now we're in the world where this player's the goat because of what they could have done, and Brady's not the goat because of what he did do. Okay, right. <laughs> man. I, I wish. Oh, wait, is this it? Is it a video or it's like, like a- no like this is one for example um just call them out do it so this is during this is during the the whole ivermectin <laughs> covid vaccine immunization the debacle. rod aaron Rodgers specifically or yeah ryan his- clark was yep. quoted on get up saying is anybody surprised that aaron Rodgers acted entitled this is a continuation of who he's always been and he 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 put this out on Facebook and he said, why is there so much hate for Rogers? The only thing I can think of is they are obviously jealous. He is the best Q- QB in the history of the sport. The one they should hate is the guy who cheated for multiple, if not all of his Super Bowls. To me, a lot, if not all are invalid. Okay. Firstly, this had nothing to do with Brady and yep. you dragging him into this just shows the inferiority complex that you feel. Yep. And secondly, what do you? Why would people hate him because he's the best ever? People love you if you're the best ever. Like, people don't hate LeBron because he's good. They hate LeBron because of his antics, the way he changes teams. You know, like, mm-hmm. the, to argue the reason people hate him is because he's successful doesn't make any sense. You know. <laughs> and yeah, that had nothing to do with Brady. That was out of left field. I remember reading that, and then all of a sudden, be like, what? <laughs> Like that, and that just shows you the Packers fan base in general. There's so much. Packers fans feel like, well, between Favre and Rodgers, we had to have had the best quarterback in history at one time. Between those two, mm-hmm. one of them has to be. 
Yeah. And the problem is, is because Rodgers, for a lot of his career, everyone's been saying, oh, he has the best arm talent in the league. Oh, he's the most talented quarterback in the league. Right, whatever that means. Yeah. yeah. And he, if you Sure, if you want to make that argument, you'd, you'd have to convince me, all right, what really is talent? What are the intangibles versus the pure arm strength or whatever? I'm even fine at this point if you just say he's the most talented. All right, there's no way to prove that. It's completely subjective. If you want to say that, that's fine. He's the most talented quarterback ever. But one of the worst things you can have is unrealized talent. <laughs> and if you're the most talented quarterback ever and you've won one Super Bowl, if anything, that'd piss me off. Yeah. Like, why have you only won one Super Bowl if you're the most talented ever? It's like, oh, well, they don't have great players around him. It's not fair. Brady always gets a great defense. The one time Rodgers did win a Super Bowl, his defense carried him exactly. through the playoffs. And they say, oh, well, he never has had great wide receivers. Oh, you mean outside of, like, the one year that Brady had Moss? Uh, yeah, <laughs> great all-time amazing receivers like Edelman and Amendola. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, those are the Hall of Fame guys and that, that just goes have to show carried you how, Brady, you know. If you want to know how good Brady is, Brady, by, like, at Julian Edelman retires, and people are discussing if he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Because yeah, of Tom Brady. So Edelman carried Brady. I'm pretty sure Brady carried Edelman, you yeah. know. Yep. It's just, yeah, it's ridiculous. But. Um, yeah. I mean, we talked about this a lot last year when the whole Bucks and Packers thing happened. <laughs> those were like, fun discussions. I another, think. like. We've talked about like the endless cycle that you kind of mentioned, like Packers fans saying, yeah, well, Brady always has good defenses. And you said, well, the Packers, their latest Super Bowl was won because of their defense. Like Packers fans are always talking about how good they want their defense to be. Oh, I wish they were like 2010, blah, 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 blah. And then on, yeah, it, it, it's circular reasoning. But I want never- my team to do this. But since my team can't do this, now it doesn't count when other teams do. But yeah. I really want my team to do it okay (laughs) yeah and i mean if you just want to know how good brady is like i think a great example is just the fact that like he basically nothing basically there was nothing found to prove that brady actually deflated these footballs but like a man he took the penalty for his four game suspension without pay all the stupid stuff and then still won the super bowl that year you know what he should have done is he should have said when they confront him and said, did you deflate the football? He could have done the Rodgers and been like, they are deflated. You know, like trying to skirt around it. <laughs> that would have been a lot more respectable, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just, it's bias that comes into it. We're not unbiased either. We dislike Rodgers, and I get it. It's just like, I'm just always been confused why Packers fans hate Brady when yeah. he's played in the AFC basically his whole career. Is, you know, is it really all this anger because of what he did you in the NFC championship game last year? Because if that's true, you'd have to hate a lot of other teams, too. Well, yeah. and also people will talk about Brady and be like, yeah, well, he played he played the in a division that had the Bills and the Jets who were so bad for so long. Yeah, well, the Packers play in a division with the Lions. Yeah. And many times Packers fans like to talk about how bad the Bears are and. Of the well, past decade, the, <laughs> right, right, the Bears have been really bad. So and the Vikings have never been world beaters. You know, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, all good right. stuff. All right, uh, how do we end this this show again? <laughs> well, we don't do silver linings anymore. So after all that frustration, yeah, airing of grievances. All I've yeah. got is the Bulls. I'm really upset by that because I'm on quarantine. And I have none of my teams to watch because they either suck 
and they have or they're on a you know like Notre Dame they're on a break or at the Bulls and the Blackhawks they're in quarantine protocols yeah I'm upset tonight that the Cardinals crapped the bed after I just placed a four unit wager on them the biggest bet I've placed in a long time my account's been steadily increasing and I risked a decent chunk of it and they were garbage today I'm also it's time to move again yeah, right. <laughs> I'm also upset that Michigan at the time when their momentum was at an all time high and I was more excited with the program than I've ever been before. Now we have to wait like two or three weeks to watch them play again. And out of all the teams in the playoff, they're the ones who were on the best hot streak and had the most momentum. So it just right. sucks. We have to wait now to watch them play. Um, so, yeah, those are what come to mind immediately. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember how we say it too. It's been um, too long. Well, cheer up, man in Michigan hat. You know what they say. Do you want to read it though? Sure. Well, that is what we are frustrated about today. What about you? Share your frustrations with us or about us at Real FN Podcast on social media or nationoffrustration at gmail.com. Go voice your frustrations and leave us a review. And if you're frustrated that this episode is over because you want to hear more, be sure to check out our episodes every Tuesday everywhere you can get podcasts. Be sure to subscribe. I'm doing this from memory. I can't remember what the next line is. Um, uh, thanks. <laughs> One dollar. Even one dollar. <laughs> Venmo and PayPal, all that. Even one dollar, which is... About uh, how much it costs to pay for... Uh, what were those things that they had to pay for in Catholicism that Luther was a big critic of? Indulgences? Those. Makes a big difference for us. <laughs> appreciate appreciate it. Get out there and <laughs> Catholicism. And read the Book of Tobit. For those for those wondering about the Book of Tobit, this is the Wikipedia description. Okay. Were the we talking of, about this on the air or before we recorded? Before we were recording, which okay. is why I'm bringing it up again for the right. listeners now. The Book of Tobit, also known as the Book of Tobias or the Book of Toby, is a third or early second century BEC Jewish work describing how God tests the faithful, responds to prayers, and protects the covenant community. It tells the story of two Israelite families, that of the blind Tobit in Nineveh and of the abandoned Sarah in Ekbatana. Tobit's son Tobias is sent to retrieve ten silver talents that Tobit once left in Regis, a town in Media, uh, guided and aided by the angel Raphael. He arrives in Ekbatana, where he meets Sarah. Okay, a couple quick things. One, Ekbatana sounds like sounds like a town from Lord of the Rings or something. Ekbatana, yeah, and also How's it spelled. E C B A T A N A. Ekbatana. Okay. Yeah. And then also, Tobit sent his son Tobias to get silver from Regus. Like, Viva Las Regus. <laughs> you have to go retrieve the poker <laughs> chips from Regus. What happens like, in Regus stays in Regus. The, bu- the book of Tobit is actually just a big heist, like a casino <laughs> heist. Right. This is actually the plot of The Hangover. 
a demon named Asmodeus has fallen in love with her, that's Sarah, and kills anyone Hot. she intends to marry. But with the aid of Raphael, the demon is exercised like on a treadmill like, and <laughs> Tobias and Sarah marry, after which they return to Nineveh where Tobit is cured of his blindness. Is Tobit the dad? Yeah. So, so how does he, the the silver cures his blindness? Dude, who knows? <laughs> okay. But like, so Tobit is blind apparently mm-hmm. and he sends his son to go get silver and along the way, his son meets Sarah, who he's got the hard-ons for. It's getting piped down by a <laughs> demon. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what it says. Oh, I missed <laughs> that part. That <laughs> she, get your head out of the gun. Getting railed by <laughs> Asmodemius, the demon or whatever. <laughs> Asmodemius. Let me read this again. A demon named Asmodeus has oh. fallen in love with her. And kills anyone she intends to marry. So it doesn't... I mean, maybe you can imply he's that he that is sure. laying on some pipe. But <laughs> he's... At, at least we know that he's... Uh, he's Uriah-ing the, mm. uh, all There's the other people reference. she's interested in. Yeah. So, yeah, for those of you who like the Old Testament books, just like the Book of Tobit, you Apparently. can... Allegedly, <laughs> per, per sources. <laughs> oh man, this is a wild ending. Is this a and Notre Dame textbook? Is this a side reading? Um, I'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> okay. It seems like it'd be a side reading for maybe a literature class. I'd like to ask Brian Kelly what his thoughts are on the Book of Tobit. Well, I knew a Tobias back in my day in, in Louisiana. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop right there. That was funny. I'm glad you brought that back up. <laughs> <laughs>